back and be in church again a little
God's love is wonderful, isn't it? We're going to be in Matthew chapter five, uh, Matthew chapter four, excuse me, this morning. And um, <clears throat> while you're turning there, uh, if uh, somebody's got uh, something that they would like to thank God for this morning, something that He's done in their lives recently, uh, we'll take just a quick uh, time of testimony here. Yes, ma'am. Amen. We mentioned that a minute ago. Pancakes for breakfast. So he's got to be feeling somewhat better. So praise the Lord for that. All right. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord for that. All right. Yes, ma'am. Miss Linda. Praise the Lord for that. Yes, sir. Amen. 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 Absolutely. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. All right. Anybody else? Okay. Matthew chapter 4 then. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is just beginning His earthly ministry 
and has just been uh, tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And um, he has been uh, baptized um, by uh, John the Baptist. And um, now he is walking by the seashore, the Bible says, or the Sea of Galilee. Verse number 18, we'll pick up reading there. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Father, we pray that you'll bless the time that we spend together around your word. May you guide and direct our hearts and our thoughts, and may, may you encourage us through your word today. And where there is a need, I pray that you would bring conviction. And where there is a need, I pray that you would bring uh, comfort and grace. And where there is a need, I pray that you would give us instruction in righteousness. And Father, that your Holy Spirit will have free reign in this service to do as he would see fit. <coughs> we ask that your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love reading this story of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, calling his disciples. And uh, as we begin in verse number 18, we find that uh, Jesus, as he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, he sees two brethren. I, I want to just stop for a moment, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point, but that's a simple little phrase in this verse that oftentimes we just read as part of getting from one part of the verse to the next. But can I say this, that there are times in life where we wonder if God sees us. Can I tell you this? God sees you. Not only does He see you, but He has a plan for your life. In Psalm 1, and again in Jeremiah chapter number 17, it talks about the Christian, that is, or the believer being as a tree, and the Bible uses this word, that is planted. It's not, it's not there by accident. It's something that God has designed and purposed. And God has a plan in your life. He puts you there. And I would say this to you. Bloom where you're planted. Be content with where God has you. And I, I've known some people in my lifetime, some of them that I went to college with, that if I were to go back there, and it's been 30 years or so since I've been in college, and if I were to go back there, they are still in the town where they graduated college, working a job, saying, I'm waiting for God to show me where He wants me to go. And here it is 30 years later, and they've not ever struck out and, and, and launched out into the deep and by faith done what God wanted them to do. And I would say this, that God sees you. God knows exactly where you are. And when Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, He knew these fishermen were there. And he knew he was going to call them. And uh, he has a plan for every single one of you. Can I tell you this? God has a, God has a calling on everybody's life. That, that is different for every person. But I will say this. We know from Scripture that it is God's will for every single one of us to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. No matter what other area he may lead your life in, he has given a calling on your life to be the light to this world, to be able to share the gospel with those that have never heard. And I want to just say this, that sometimes we read uh, quickly through these passages, and every once in a while there's, there's a little phrase that will just kind of pop off the page at me and cause me to be like, boy, that, that's amazing that God saw them. I mean, here's the Lord Jesus Christ walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees it. And, and you know, I heard somebody say it this way one time. We kind of expect God to do the big things of life because He's God. That's what He does. But you know, when He does the little things, when He, when he shows the minute interest in things, those are the times that it seems more special to us, isn't it? 
that He knows everything about our lives. He's laid out a plan before us. So I don't want to get sidetracked on that, but I wanted to leave you with that thought. And that was for free. That was kind of the appetizer for the main course here. All right? Here we go. And so verse number 18, he sees the two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. Now in another one of the Gospels, the Bible speaks of it this way, that Andrew uh, went and got his brother. And by the way, there's something to be said for reaching your family with the Gospel and bringing them to Christ. And uh, it's interesting here that he comes to Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I want us to look at the call that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, made to these men. And I want to note a couple of things about the call that God put upon them. The first one was, his, his initial call was a general call. And he says, I want you to follow me. That's pretty basic. That's a high-level overview of what the Lord Jesus Christ was asking for them. And when I said a few moments ago that God has a call on everybody's life, there is an overall uh, goal and, and there's an overall purpose that God desires for every single believer to be involved in, and that is evangelizing this world and taking the gospel to all of the folks that are in this world so that they can have the opportunity to trust Christ as their Savior. So he starts off by saying, follow me. And can I tell you this, that every time the Lord Jesus Christ uh, calls us, it is always initially to follow him. Everything that we uh, look at in our lives as far as pursuing the Christian life, we do so by looking at where is the Lord on this position. We're following his will. We're following his precepts. We're following His Word. We're following His principles. And the Christian life is not about man coming up with good ideas about how to live it, but that we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we see what His will is, and then we follow it. And now I want you to notice this, and uh, something that we oftentimes may or may not think about. But sometimes when God uh, calls us to do something or he, he puts something upon our hearts, we look at it and we say, God, I don't know that I can do that. Uh, I was talking to Brother Kenny the other night, and I've, I've shared this before. Uh, I am an introvert from the inside out, and I mean a bad one. I've, in fact, I don't know. It was debilitating. As a teenager, it was literally debilitating. There were uh, times that I would freeze, I mean physically freeze, because I was so, uh, so introvertish when I was around people I didn't know. And uh, when I was 17 years old and God began to work on my heart about preaching, and I I had my life all planned. I was ready to go into computer programming. I I loved it. I was was already accepted at a college. I was going that direction. I already knew what company I was going to apply to. When I got out of college, I knew where I was going to work and how how I was going to, uh, all my life was mapped out. And God threw a a wrench in it, which he does oftentimes when uh, he wants his will to be done. And he began working on my heart about preaching. And I'll never forget the first few times I, I was like, and the thought kept coming back to me, anybody can program a computer. But there's, there's a need for people to preach the gospel. And uh, I began to think that thought as a 17-year-old boy. I couldn't get away from it. And God began to stir my heart and work on my heart. And I used to think, Lord, you can't call me to preach. I can't even hardly st- stand in front of somebody look them in the eye. And I remembered I shared one time uh, uh, that I was in a mall and a fella came. I was sitting on a bench, and a fella came and sat at the other end of the bench from me. And literally, I froze physically. I froze. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to blink. I didn't want to turn my head. And I just sat there in a frozen state for probably fifteen, twenty minutes while that guy sat there, until he got up and left. And when he got up and left, my leg had fallen asleep, and I got up to walk, and I couldn't hardly walk. I'm going through the mall like this. And that's how badly I was introvertish about it. And to, and to some degree, I still am. And I used to, I used to when, I was, when God was working on me about this, and my, when I was 17 years old, I even went and talked to my dad about it. And I, I'm thankful that I had a, a wise father that uh, guided me and directed me in some things. He didn't push for me to be a preacher. or uh, In fact, his, his words were, uh, let's pray on it for several weeks, and, and if it's what God wants you to do, He'll make it uh, absolute in your life. You'll know. You'll know that you know that you know that's what He wants you to do. And so, sure enough, about three or four weeks went by, and God's just continuing to stir my heart and stir my heart and stir my heart. But the argument I had during that time was this. 
God, I, I can't do that. I, I can't get in front of people. I can't talk to people. This is, this is crazy. You, you've got the wrong person. And, and I mean, that was my mind. I, I was going to go sit in a cubicle where nobody bothered me and program computers for the rest of my life, and that was it. And I, my, my dream was to move to a mountain somewhere, get a cabin, and be a hermit with a dog. Brother Harold, the dog. Amen. And that was, I'm not kidding you, that was my dream. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't like people. I was, in, I was embarrassed around people. And God has a sense of humor, I think, in that He said, no, I want you to preach. And I say all that to say this. Look what the Lord Jesus Christ tells these disciples. In verse number 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers of men. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will use your fishing ability for my purposes. Is that what he says? No. What does he say here? He says, I will what? Make you. You know what that tells me? These guys didn't have the ability to do this. They didn't know how to do this. The Lord was calling them and saying, I want you to do something, and I want you to do something that you can't do, you don't know how to do it, but I'm going to make it in you. And you know, the, one of the biggest excuses why we miss what God has for our lives one of the biggest excuses that Satan gets us to use is, God, I can't. I don't know how many times I've heard people say that. When, when, when something's come up, we've been in a discussion, they say, boy, there's a need here, it's really on my heart, but I can't do it. Well, neither could these, these, these fishermen. They're, they're simple men. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to have these men one day stand before great men, educated men, rulers, and all they are simple, simple, probably uneducated fishermen. And I want you to notice that the Lord gives indication that where I call, I will enable. You're not able to do this yet, fellas, but if you'll follow me, I will make you Fishers of men. And he spends three and a half years doing it, doesn't he? Three and a half years, they sit in the college of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you in something? That when God puts something upon our hearts that He wants us to do, let's not say to Him, Lord, I can't do this. I don't have the ability to do this. Let's say, yes, Lord, but you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to enable me. You're going to have to teach me. And then let's do it. One thing I find very interesting about this call is that these men were being called to do something that they had no idea how to do. Fishers of men? What does that even mean? Notice as we go on down, it says in verse number 20, And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the ship with Zebedee their father mending the nets. And he called them. And they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point, but I do want to make a mention of this. Just by way of passing, it's not part of the message. But in verse number 21, we find that uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were in the ship. Notice what they were doing in the ship. They were doing what? Mending their nets. Why would they mend their nets? If they didn't mend their nets, what do you think would happen when they were catching fish? They'd lose some of them, wouldn't they? Weren't they? Wouldn't they? Can I tell you this? And I, I, I'm just going to make this statement and we're going to move on. There is a time in all of our lives where we need to take the time to mend our nets. And by that, I mean there may be some things in our life that may cause someone who needs to come to Christ slip away and not, not trust Him as Savior. It could be the way I'm living. It could be little things that I think, boy, they don't really matter all that much. But it may cause somebody not to get saved. By the way, it's not always the people that you know and are acquainted with. Sometimes it can even be a stranger. 
And I will just say this. There, there are times that you and I probably need to take some time and say, Lord, help me mend my nets. I've got a few holes here. I've got a few things that I need to be dealt with in my life. I don't know that the Lord will ever give the drought, the increase, the fruit for our labor if our nets are not prepared. Now, that being said, I want us to notice the compliance of these fellows. And then we're not going to be very long at all. But as we get to verse number 18, I'm sorry, verse number 20, the Bible says, And straightway they left their nets and followed him. If you go down to verse number 22, after he calls James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the Bible says, And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. I want you to notice, when it comes to complying to the will of God or the call of God upon our lives, when it comes to, let me use this word, surrendering, or I like even better the word yielding. Uh, I, I used to use the word surrender almost exclusively, and several years ago, uh, Brother Randy Casey made this statement about uh, using the word yielded, because the idea of surrendering means that there's been a battle going on. There's been a struggle, and finally, after the struggle, okay, Lord, I'm waving the white flag, I'm going to surrender. Can I tell you this, that when it comes to God's will, I don't know that we need to struggle with God. We need to just simply at the onset say, Lord, I'm going to be yielded to it. If you'll show it to me, my answer is yes. I love so oftentimes in the, in the Old Testament when God did audibly call people in the Old Testament by name, how often they responded with, here am I. In other words, Lord, whatever it is you're getting ready to say, I'm available to you. My answer is already yes. I'm already yielded to it. It doesn't matter what you're going to ask me to do. I'm already saying yes, I am. And I think we as Christians ought to live in that state of mind. From day to day that we spend time as we walk with Him saying, Lord, I don't know what you have for me today, but my answer is already yes. When you bring it across my path, I'm going to jump at the chance because yes is my answer. When you do something in my heart as I'm reading Scripture and you bring conviction to me, my answer is already I'll get that right. I'm not going to sit and struggle. I'm not going to sit in war with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to, I don't want to be in a tug-of-war contest with Him. Years ago, my dad, uh, when he was preaching, shared a story of a, of a missionary that went to a foreign tribe. And, uh, and it was a native tribe that had never had the gospel preached, and he preached the gospel there. And the chief of the tribe got saved, and as a result, many of the people in the tribe got saved. And the missionary, after he had done his work there for several weeks and maybe a month or so, moved on and said, I've got to go and reach the next tribe. And so he moved on and was gone for several months. Uh, as he was going around, he remembered this tribe where the chief had gotten saved, and he said, I'm going to go back and visit with them, make sure they're okay. And he went back to visit, and he was talking with the chief, and he said, you know, how is it going with uh, being saved in the Christian life? And the chief, not understanding how to put things into words where the missionary could understand it, made this analogy. He said, he said I feel like I have two dogs inside of me. One of them is a white dog that always wants to do what's right, and the other one is a black dog that always wants to do what's wrong. And he said, I feel like they're constantly fighting against each other. And the missionary asked him, he said, well, which one wins? And then old Indian chief said this, the one I feed the most. We ought not to be struggling when it comes to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'll tell you, if we do struggle, either the flesh is going to win or the Spirit is going to win. But whichever one we're feeding the most is the one that's going to probably win. There are so many people, I believe, that God has made evident what He wanted them to do with their lives that have used this excuse, I can't. I've just got too many things going I've got a career. I've got a family. I've got children. I've got all this. I've got, I've got money. I've got uh, all these things. And if I leave, if I, if I do this, I'll have to change all of these things in my life. We always have an excuse, don't we? I want you to notice what these men did. The Bible says that straightway, they were already in a position to say, Yes, Lord. They didn't say, Lord, I need to go home and spend a week Praying about it. You know, we, we think we sound spiritual when we do that sometimes. 
we may say, well, I think the Lord's really working on me about this. I'm going to take some time to pray about it. I hope that we've already taken time to pray about it. That's what our walk with God is. That we pray and we ask constantly for His will to be done, for Him to show us and to guide our steps. And we put our trust in Him, and we not only for our salvation, but in the guiding of our lives. And having done that, when the opportunity comes, it's not time to pray, it's time to go. The praying's already been done. I love the story of uh, Moses when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. You remember the story? How God led them to the Red Sea and Pharaoh changed his mind and said, we're going to go, we're going to wipe them out. They killed my son, I'm going, to, I'm going to kill all these Israelites. And he backed them up against the Red Sea. You remember that? The people began to murmur against Moses and Moses stands up before the people and he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And we said, boy, that's a great one. That'll, that's a good statement. It'll preach. I love that one. Boy, the boldness that God gave Moses. But then the next verse... You find Moses in his prayer closet saying, Lord, what am I going to do? And God tells him, why stand ye here? Go forward. You know what God was saying to Moses? Moses, you've already put your trust in me. I've already been guiding you all this way. This is not time to pray about it. It's just time to obey. It's just time to move. I'm not telling you not to pray today. What I'm getting at is this. We need to be in a constant state of trusting God with the direction of our lives. And when He leads one direction or the other, we've already trusted Him for it. Our answer just simply needs to be yes, Lord. Yes. Straightway. Immediately. And I want you to notice this. That even though they had so many things going on in life, they were willing to comply and say, yes, Lord. I want you to notice the things they had going on in their lives. One of the things that all of these men had going on was a, was a livelihood, didn't they? They had their career set out before them. They were already involved in life. Years ago, we had a fellow in our church. His name was George Gibson. When I was a little kid, about six or seven years old, Brother George Gibson used to babysit my sister and I when my mom and dad were working at the church and busy. I remember going over to his house. He was up in years, probably about 80 years old, I believe, at the time. And uh, I remember watching him almost every service. He'd sit right down about where Miss Florence is in our auditorium. And almost every service, he'd come to the altar and weep and weep and weep. And he'd come to the altar and weep. And one night, he came down to the altar and he motioned for my dad to come down from the pulpit and pray with him. My dad went down to pray with him. He said, Brother George, what can I do for you? At that time, he was in his late 80s, I believe. He said, I'm coming to surrender to preach. My dad uh, talked with him, prayed with him, and for the last few years that Brother George had, he went to every nursing home he could find. He was at every event of the church that he could always giving a testimony in church. And every time I had opportunity to preach, he would preach and didn't have a lot of energy left. Was pretty, pretty well stricken in years. But he shared this story with my dad. He said, when I was a young man, I worked for the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. He said, I had just been a young Christian, just been saved a short period of time. He said, God called me to preach. He said, I knew it. He said, I knew as sure as I'm standing here that God wanted me to preach the gospel. He said, I went and talked to my pastor and told him I would take some time to pray about it. He said, that week, Goodyear Tire and Rubber called me and offered me a higher-up administrative position. Very, very big step in my career. Lots of money, good retirement benefits. And he said, I chose to work for Goodyear Tire and Rubber all those years. And he said, Pastor, I can never reclaim those lost years. But he said, as long as I have breath left, I'm going to obey the Lord. Can I tell you this? I watched a man who was excited to serve the Lord in his 80s, but had a sorrow of regret that he had allowed something else to take the place of what God had intended for his life. 
Now, I will not stand here today and tell you that it's God's will for everybody to quit their jobs and pastor a church or go to the mission field. That's not my position. God has a plan for your life. It may be to work in the business that you're involved in. And if you were to not do that, you would be as much out of God's will as if you forgot or if you failed to follow Him when He called you to preach. But what I am saying is this. When God moves in your heart to do something, Say, yes, Lord. Yes. Straightway. Immediately. They left their livelihood. These men were fishers. They, they went around catching a bunch of fish. It was what they supported their families with. I don't know what questions went through their mind, but I can tell you what kind of questions would go through my mind. How am I going to feed my family? You say, well, are they married? Well, we know that Peter had a mother-in-law. They had to care for their families. And yet they were willing to forsake that. They had material things. Look with me, verse number 21. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship. I've heard people say, I can't go to the mission field. I just bought a new house. I just bought a new house. They left their livelihoods. They left material things. And can I tell you this? Lastly, they left family. I'm not saying you leave your wife or your kids. God gave me the great joy after I got out of Bible college to move to my hometown, work in my home church alongside my dad. We were close. I loved those years working with my dad. This is how close we were. We were at dinner at their house one night, and the property straight across the street from them was for sale. We bought that property and built a house straight across the street from them. When God moved me to Missouri... Talk about a heart that was broken. I had to leave some things. My dad had passed away. My mom down there by herself as a widow. I tell you this, there are times we have to leave family to do what God wants. The call of God is you're not able to do it Sometimes, but I'll make you to where you can. I just need you to trust me and follow me. You know, there were three men. Two of them said, Lord, we will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. One of them, God called him and said, follow me. And each of them had an excuse. One had to go and take care of things at his house. One had to go bury his father. One had other things they had to deal with. And Jesus said this, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. didn't mean they weren't saved. just meant they lost out on an awful lot of rewards. They lost out on an awful lot of peace that God would have brought into their life and fruit that would have remained to their account. I look around at the, the world today and I sat, in a, I sat in a missions conference, been probably about 12 years ago now. I watched as a missionary couple got up in the missions conference up in years, and they had been back in the States about seven or eight years. They said, we're going back to the mission field. They had a question and answer time for them, and one of the fellows asked them, said, why are you going back? They said, there's nobody to cover our field for us. We have a work over there. People need to be fed with the gospel. Nobody to do it. We had a, a, a family that was originally from England years ago that came to our church and joined it, had retired from the mission field in their 80s. Precious family. They were in our family for two years, or in our church for two years. 
And after two years, they came to my dad and they said, Pastor, we got to go. My dad said, where are you going? They said, we got to go back to the mission field. Come to find out their ministry had floundered and there was no one to take it. There were more people coming home from the mission field than were sending. There are more churches closing their doors than were planting. There are more preachers getting out of the ministry than going into the ministry. And Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers. I don't believe God has quit calling people. I believe we've come up with too many excuses. You say, well, what can I do? Well, if you can't pastor, if you can't be a missionary, at least pass out a track and tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. We can all do something. So I would encourage you, let's bloom where we're planted. When God moves in our hearts, when God stirs us and says, I have this for you, say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Well, Brother Greg, I can't do it. (laughs) He'll help us do it. He'll help us do it. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, we're thankful for your word. Lord, my heart is burdened today. I wish we could have done a better job with the truth of the message, but Lord, the truth is we just need to be yielded. We just need to say, Lord, I don't want to I don't want to wrestle with you. I don't want to struggle with you. I want to go ahead and say yes. Whatever you show that you want done with my life, my answer is already yes. Lord, I pray that you would help to revitalize our view of the lost, that we would see them, that you would stir our hearts of compassion, that we would recognize the urgency of the hour that we live in, the great work that is yet to be done, and yet the laborers are few. Father, I pray that you would once again allow us to understand and to know the direction that You would direct our steps, that You would guide us and help us to know each one of us individually what You would have us to do. And then, Lord, that we would answer yes. Help us to be yielded and sensitive to the leading of Your Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, if there's someone here today that does not know You as their Savior, I pray that You would help them to get that matter settled today before it's too late. We pray that you would allow them to have the courage to step out and come forward during the invitation. We can take your word and show them how they can be saved today. Bless the preaching of your word. May your Holy Spirit guide and direct as he would see fit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, no one looking around, just so we have a time of privacy where God can deal with our hearts as he would see fit. The piano and organ will begin playing a hymn of invitation. If God spoke in your heart, the altars are open. Would you come? If you need someone to pray with you, we'd be glad to pray with you. If you'd like to come pray alone, that's fine too.
just another verse or two. There several have already come. Perhaps there would be a few others. Father, as we dismiss in prayer, I pray that you would guide and direct our steps. Lord, help us to be yielded. I pray that you'd help us as we leave to keep the message, uh, both of the Sunday school hour and of this hour, upon our hearts and our minds. May your Holy Spirit continue to work and to guide and direct on us throughout this day as we meditate upon the truth of your word. Bless the time of fellowship and the food that you've prepared for us. May I pray that you'd use it for the nourishment of our bodies and for the nourishment of our souls. We pray that you'll help us to honor and glorify you throughout this afternoon as we have our final service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and you're dismissed.